All right, welcome back, Business Freedom Podcast listeners. Uh, Y'all are in for a treat today. And I say that because um, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that I, I just geek out on business. I love the good, the bad, the ugly about business. And uh, if you're at a point in your real estate business growth journey where you need leverage in the form of people, um, there is no better resource that I know of than the, the guest that's going to join us today. Jay Niblick, he is the co-founder of Wise Hire. It's a system I've used for probably going on like 10 years now. Um, and so Jay, give us like a 60 second bio. Like why should someone, you know, keep listening to this podcast episode and not listen to some other crap that's on their podcast library? Who are you and, and what have you achieved? You said you're giving away a BMW at the end, right? There's a yes. special code yes. to keep them. Okay, that's it. Um, uh, Jay Niblick, I'm the one of the co-founders of Wise Hire. Also started a company 20 years ago called Intermetrics. So we specialize in hiring. That's what we do, and we specialize in real estate. So it's where we got our start. We branch into mortgage and some other you know affiliated areas, but that's what we do. Uh, Thousands and thousands of companies and teams and brokerages around the country use us. We've even got international reach. And it's all about how do we help you make better hiring decisions. So we wake up and eat and breathe and sleep this stuff every day. Yeah, and, and you've grown. And we had a conversation leading up to this, uh, this podcast recording. You know, I, I like Jay because he, he's doing the stuff that he's built out platforms and systems and processes for. Last year... You brought on, I think it was, you know, 10 or so team members. You had one misfire, but it was for personal reasons. So I forget what the numbers were, but you're growing a business and you're, you're bringing people on to help you execute, you know, the, the, the vision you have for the business. So that's what I love about the conversation. This isn't a theoretical, you know, conversation about, about hiring. This is like, hey, we're using the same stuff that we're teaching you guys on. And I, I love folks that are actually doing what they say you should do. And a, a lot of our industry doesn't do that. I'm an investor in a, a local uh, real estate office here, a branded real estate office as well. So I, I, you know, I understand what that aspect of it is like as we're building out teams, as we're hiring administrative assistants and transaction coordinators, and we'll be moving to an ISA population. You know, so not just in theory or even remotely in real estate, but actually experiencing it on a daily and weekly basis as well in an actual office with agents out selling. Awesome. Let's, let me tee up the conversation uh, today. Um, Jay and I were, were masterminding before we hit the record button and we were, you know, what would be most impactful for the listeners? And if you're at a point in your journey where you're selling enough homes to consider adding leverage in the form of people, or you've already got a team and it's probably filled with, with misfits. I say that because I've been there. Um, or you're running a large team, which for sure it's filled with misfits. And I say that again, lovingly, because I, I've been there as well. Um, it's this concept of um, patterns versus potential. You know, I have been at the point where I will hire someone because of their potential, yet they don't have a track record, a, a pattern of being successful. Um, there was a, a sermon that I listened to. It was called The Power of Potential, and it was a very, you can go to YouTube, and there's a business lesson in it. Just type in um, relationship advice, Stephen Furtick, 
So F-U-R-T-I-C-K, and you will get the business lesson in it. Um, basically, he says that, you know, women, what are you doing, you know, dating men that have all this potential, yet they're showing you loud and clear that their pattern is just something you want to run from. And I feel like the same is true in, in hiring Jay. Maybe, you know, when you think about the, the process of, of bringing someone into your world that is a good fit, that has a demonstrated track record of success, let's get, let's just get the conversation going. What, what are you seeing? What have, where have you failed? You know, maybe, um, I know I want to talk about assessments. Assessments are a big part of it. And I think a lot of folks don't use assessments um, at all. And they don't use them properly. Scorecards, I want to talk about positional scorecards. Um, but when, when I say that, patterns versus potential, what what, what comes to mind? Uh, well, I have screwed it up a lot. Um, I think everybody probably has. It, dreams and hopes is not a strategic approach. Part of the problem is, a lot of the people that are making these decisions, people out here that are listening to this right now, came in from a sales perspective, crushed it. Both the personality, which we will talk about, is a portion only of the hire. The personality of the individual that's typically doing the hiring and the experience or background usually set them up for failure. So personality first, they tend to not ever want to hear, don't trust your gut because from a disc standpoint, high DIs, that's all there is. They just want to leave the room when you say, don't trust your gut. Um, but in sales, and I grew up in sales, Johnson & Johnson, and, and I did all the sales. Um, the, there's an old phrase about you hired John Wayne on Friday and Woody Allen showed up on Monday. Um, you know, it's tough. It's tough, especially hiring salespeople. Another phrase, you know, sometimes the last thing a bad salesperson sold was themselves. So you can go with your gut, but you really want to be looking for evidence, you know, make an evidence-based decision, especially if they're somebody who, the smallest segment is, here's an agent. Let's say I'm, I'm looking to hire an agent. They're an existing licensed agent, and I can see the data. I can see the results. Okay, shouldn't have a big problem there. But when you go outside of that role, or outside salespeople or someone that's not currently in real estate, it's a lot more difficult and people tend to just go with their gut. Or if you hire somebody that's not in sales, the personality conflict between an administrative assistant or a transaction coordinator and the person who's most likely doing the job will create a false gut. You'll look at that individual and go, they're weird. They don't think like I do. They're not motivated like I do. What's the matter with them? And you tend to hire, and there's tons of polls that have shown this, you, they tend to hire people with a personality like themselves, but it's to do a job that they would hate to do themselves, and they usually end up failing. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, and, and there's so much other stuff that comes, comes to mind. You know, we, in real estate, we talk about, um, and I want you to dig a little bit deeper on something you said. We talk a lot about, you know, I do it, we do it, they do it, and do you find or do you see that, and, and you just mentioned it, when you're the person doing it and it's time to hire an administrator or it's time to hire um, another salesperson to kind of join your team, a good salesperson is selling and mm -hmm. they're optimistic. Like optimism has been proven to be linked to uh, uh, the, the best salespeople from the, from the worst salespeople. Um, yep. And they don't take... You know, so is part of it is that 
without a, a process in place, without a, a candidate scorecard in place, without a defense system in place, without, you know, the wrong person, like, is, is, is running the process where this person is going to try to sell you on why to join their team. This person is going to overlook the details because they're a high D, they're not a, a C personality. Is that part of the, talk about that, because I've never yeah. really had a conversation about that. Talk about if, you, if you've figured out how to sell 50 or 60 homes, and now you're building a team, and you're the one interviewing, how, how is there a disconnect there? This is it's very important. We talk about it most of the clients that will coach, and it is from a hiring standpoint. Um, let me back up. If you're going to start a team, you need to decide, am I just looking for an administrative assistant? You know, do I want one person that, that might want to do it? Or do I want to build a company? What a lot of people do is they come in and they say, I'm so busy. I need somebody to start taking this off of me. You know, I need bandwidth. And so I'll get an admin to help me with this. And then I don't want to mess with buyers because I've got more listings and I've got to give up one. Hey, hey, I have a buyer agent or three or, or whatever. Do you want to build a real company or not? Now, if you don't, if you don't, there's fine. It's nothing wrong with that. You're just a loose knit association of people, and you're passing some business on to them. And okay, cool. You can do that as long as you want. We're working with people that say, "I want to build an actual company, a real substantial company," and that requires one thing in the beginning, and it's you got to understand at some point your objective is to pull yourself out of the middle. And if I asked you for percentage of houses that you sold, sides that you sold, in 2019 relative to the total. I imagine it's a decimal point, you know, Mars yourself. You got to pull yourself out of the middle and become the CEO, which means you bring with it a whole new job description. You can't just continue to say willy nilly, I'm selling. The optimism you talk about, it's a natural proclivity. You know, we actually talk about a reality distortion field. They're so optimistic that it distorts reality. Of course I can get that job. Of course I can get that business. Oh, I'll close that. Don't worry about that the same thing coming true with people. The problem is you don't just lose a sale. You're going to be giving these individuals significant control over a lot of revenue. One lost deal is very valuable. 10, 20, 100 leads, that's a lot of money. So you really have to stop and understand how much am I at risk here? You know, what's, what's my risk? Missing one sale yourself because you just went out and kind of went after it without systems and structures and stuff. But hiring the wrong person is ridiculously expensive. And I mean, from a brand damage aspect to just monetarily, how much money did we lose in leads that we passed off to that person? And they're wasted, they're shot, they're cold, or they've gone on somebody else, I'll never get them back. So if you're the person that, like me, and I'll admit it, when I put the bike together for the kids under the Christmas tree, I don't take the instructions out of the, the instruction manual out of the plastic, I just toss it to the side. I'm not great with that either. But it's business. I can't just go with my gut and say, I'm going to do what I want and feel. I've got to say, I need systems. I need to look for history of success, whether it's in this industry or not. But show me some proof. Show me some history. Things like structured interviews. They're not just, hey, who's your favorite sports team? And we can dig into any of these. We actually create and, and sell personality assessments as part of what we do. The disc and the values that I authored. Um, but that should never be more than 25% of the hiring scenario. Uh, but it's about creating steps, creating systems and having some self-control that says, I'm going to follow what these things tell me. And I can't tell you how many literally thousands of times 
somebody has come back to me many months later and said, you guys advised this, this probably wasn't going to be a great fit, but I loved them. So I hired them. Shoot me next time I ever do that. You know, like, please, you have permission to hit me if I ever ignore what all of the actual symptoms and, and data are kind of telling me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point. You know, <clears throat> you really need to be clear on, on what the end game looks like, what, what you're trying to build. It's, it's, it's one thing to hire someone, a part-time administrator, because you need 20 hours a week help. Or if you're building a multi-million dollar business, you know, um, let's, let's dig into, so you definitely know who you are if you're of the you know, your DNA is like, you're visionary, you're optimistic, you don't like to hear bad news, you know, you're constantly sort of focused on the future, and you're neglecting the details, bringing in talent and getting them onboarded and successful as soon as possible with clear expectations is not something you can just go about haphazardly. What, let's break it down into three things that somebody like me should put into place. I, you covered at least two of them. You know, one is assessments. Two is uh, a structured interview process and questions. Um, mm -hmm. And what would number three be? You think? I'd, I'd look for evidence. You know, we would call it evidence-based decisions. So I, and, and it's two pieces. It's structured interviews is one thing, but what comes out of those structured interviews is a separate byproduct called evidence. So I'm actually structuring an interview. We've got templates, you've got templates, you know, we can help understand what kind of questions do I ask to do that. But the intent is to get that other byproduct of, I have clearly seen examples of where this person had adversity and what they did to overcome it. I have background checks as part of the structured interview. So I actually said, who are your references? And then I called them. I'm a fan of dual referencing. So when that person's on the phone with me saying, Oh yeah, Lars is fantastic. I absolutely love him. I you have to ask that person to go one level deeper and say, do you know anybody else who knows Lars? Anyone else there at work that you could refer me to? Because I'm going to refer you to all the fraternity brothers and you know veterans I served with that love me. So of course I'm not going to give you a reference. I, I don't necessarily care what they say. I want to go there. But this is all a structure is probably the first thing I put. I have a system, like you said. And it varies depending on how you, how you are and how you run, but there is a system. Yeah. And, so and that's number one. Yeah. So, so a recruiting system, uh, uh, a hiring system, structured interviews, same questions, looking for the, the same bits of information, mm -hmm. uh, the way you get references. So let's call that number one. That's super important. Let's dig a little bit. Let's separate out the, the patterns versus potential as it's, as its own know evidence-based let's talk maybe this is just in your own business experience you know for me you know when I look for evidence of someone being a good fit on our team to me it's just I kind of take my core values so I've, I've sort of pre-decided who I want to be surrounded with and then I can ask you questions about our core values to to see if you fit who we are and I think a lot of times you know you know that that doesn't happen and it's just a haphazard sort of hiring. So if our, you know, we hustle and work hard is our first core value. Even if you're just graduated college, I can ask you questions about 
Did you have a job in college? Did you work over the summers? Did you play sports? Did you finish in four years or five years or three and a half years? You know, there's, there's obvious things you can ask. We embrace accountability and discipline. You know, mm -hmm. talk to me about a goal you set for yourself and how you held yourself accountable to achieving it. Or yeah. we have a growth mindset. Tell me the, the last book you read and how it impacted you. So when, when you think about, you know, evidence-based patterns type stuff, getting, making sure you understand who they are and how they show up, what are some of the things that, that, that you've done that, that you look for? I think those are definitely some of them. In our structured interview process, we would be calling that cultural fit. Because, uh, you know, this, the values of the organization are definitely a big part of the culture. Um, it requires you to stop and actually plan before you go hire. You know, what are the actual responsibilities I'm going to expect of this individual? How will I know that, that they can do them? So when I'm interviewing in that structured interview kind of approach, I'm looking for people that can tell me what they're great at. In addition to what you've already talked about, tell me what you think your greatest talents are and give me real examples. Behavioral interviewing would say, don't just tell me, show me examples of your life where that talent really helped you succeed. And it's one half of a coin. I absolutely will ask the exact same inverse question. What do you suck at? I actually like this question in the interview better than anything else, because I want to hear the best answer is, there's a list of things that I'm great at, and I've got a bullet list of things I suck at. And I'm glad to tell you what they are, because my question is going to follow up with, how do you make sure they don't get in your way? And I just want to hear a rational answer. Worst answer, they don't want to tell you anything, or they hide a compliment. You know, oh, I'm such a workaholic. It's a real problem. You know, I'm like, okay, not scoring all so well. Um, but these are all parts of, if you have these in place, back up to a bigger picture for a sec to connect them. If you're not going to listen to these things and just keep going back at the end of trusting your gut, you know, I don't know that you should even do them. You have to listen to what's coming out of this structured approach. Um, just last week, and this happens probably on a monthly basis, one of the customers said, I love this guy, but he has ignored three emails to take the disc and values assessment through WiseHire. So I'm just going to move them on in the process. I'm like, you're crazy. And he goes, well, but I don't want to alienate a great candidate just because he doesn't have time to complete an assessment. And I'm like, you're so in love with whatever this person has that you're ignoring evidence. You've asked four times now that they complete this simple 12, 13 minute online assessment. And they've ignored you four times, three times from them. You know, how does that make them, you know, what you, you're, you're jumping over hurdles just to get to the, my gut says they're awesome. And my hope and dreams are that they've got so much potential to work out. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, we have three things that we have candidates do before we will, um, kind of take a next step and invite them into the office. There's a, there's a disc, there's a video screen. And then I forget what, well, there's one other thing. Um, but yeah, if, if they, if they can't follow base, yeah. And to write a letter, a cover letter. Mm -hmm. And if it's a canned cover letter, you know, they don't do, they don't do the video assessment. They don't take the disc. Then, you know, there, there's no reason to spend any time with them. 
Um, yeah, people call me harsh. I mean, we, I normally coach a phone screen first, you know, so you like somebody, you see what they've, they've, they've replied, wait till they complete some of the assessments and then I'll schedule a phone screen. I'll recommend scheduling a phone screen. We do this ourselves. We just hired two people, uh, last month. We're looking for two or three more currently right now. We've got links out there and, um, will they respond to my email for the phone screen? Did they shotgun 50? applications with their thumb while sucking down a Big Mac on a Friday afternoon. You know, I'm going to email them and say, hey, I like what I see. Can we talk sometime this week? Do they reply to my email? That's a pass fail. If I hand you a great valuable lead and you don't follow up on it, that's money lost. Um, do they show up when I call? You know, I'm going to call you at three o'clock. If they don't answer the phone at three o'clock, again, if you can't treat your own jobs prospects you know, with this level of uh, control and accuracy and respect, how are you going to treat the leads that, that we bring in for you? So again, people say I'm harsh, but you don't answer the call when I call you at three o'clock for a phone screen for a job. I'm not calling you back. Unless you email me and say, you know what, blue attire was upside down in a ditch. Sorry. <laughs> you know, but I don't think that's being harsh. The, the intent is to start with very big filters and work down to small, fine filters. Part of this is for you. And you're, you know, the people that are listening, don't like a person's resume and schedule a one hour, two hour interview with them. Big screens. Did they complete the assessments online that you asked them to? Did they schedule when you asked them to make a phone screen? Because in five or 10 minutes, you can tell and you're doing it with an interview, but still same thing. You know, big filters take less of your time. Once they make it through two or three or four levels of filtering, then you can invest your hour when instead of going out and making $500 an hour selling, now you can feel good about sitting down with them for an hour and talking on the phone or live. And I'm a fan of live, obviously. Yeah. And that's in that case. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit into, um, you know, you've, I, I know people have abused your, your inner metrics uh, on the Tony Robbins site, which is when I, when I put two and two together on that, I was like, Oh man, I know I did that. Um, which is, is, I don't even think it's possible anymore. Um, I know I pulled the contract. Yeah. So, um, but you have my point in saying that you have a lot of experience in assessments and you know, that it's a part of the puzzle, but an important piece. Like if you had a four piece puzzle and you, you ignored, you'd never have a complete puzzle. Like, you know, yep. even, even if it's 25% of it, what, um, what advice would you give someone in terms of, you know, a few minutes on um, just assessments and what you can learn about administrative versus sales from a DISC assessment? It's additional insight. You know, it's about potential uh, aptitude, how the soft skills are probably going to be a better fit. Things that you can't really accurately assess. That is assessments, personality assessments, psychometric assessments. They're good at kind of quantifying those intangibles so I can factor them in, but that's it. You know, they, they're not prescriptive. They, if they have, if they're good, they have predictive validity to them, but that doesn't I mean, predictive validity doesn't mean, Oh, highest score wins, make the higher. And there's so many other variables. Who are they going to work with on the team? How do they mesh with you and the rest of the culture? We're not measuring all of their values in that sense. So how do those mesh? So I think, in an interview, it's very good to get to a lot of those things that you can talk about, but almost impossible to really accurately assess, you know, their, their 
things that the disk or the values would measure and vice versa. The disk and the values are a piece of it, but not all of it. So even in the industry, it's just standard practice. No set even of instruments should ever, not like, you, oh, I got three of them, so that's 75%. Now, any battery of assessments, collective or otherwise, should never be more than 25 to maybe 33%, you know, a third of the picture. We'll do at Wisehire the heavy lifting. We've gone out and studied all the jobs and the admins and ISAs and you name it. Got a couple hundred benchmarks in there now. And we're the algorithms inside Wisehire compare candidates to that benchmark. So we studied the performers in the role by the hundreds, if not thousands, in every benchmark. And there's this artificial intelligence that's operating behind the scenes that says, is this person a good match for this role or not? High, you know, one through four roles. Excellent, very good, average or poor. So they're stacking them for you in a pre-screening manner from that aspect. So it helps you prioritize who I'm going to invest my time in, but it doesn't say who you should hire, nor should it ever. Yeah, and, and those traits are very different you know, for an yeah. admin versus different roles, like you said, drastically different. And a lot of times some, someone will come in and, and they'll say, you know, this person is the perfect disc. And, and I'm just like, what, what? I mean, yeah. And they want to base their decision. Like I, I found a, you know, uh, an ID personality and I want to hire that person as a buyer agent. And yep. it's like, but they have no, they've never done sales before. Yep. And they think they're going to be great because they have the ID and it's like, wait, you know, it's, it's just not the way that's no, just the answer is no. <laughs> they have the aptitude, but are you going to spend the next year teaching them the fundamentals of selling and, you know, giving them the context and the books and selling to veto and spin selling? And, you know, <clears throat> are you going to develop that knowledge set that has to go along with the aptitude? Because most of the teams don't. They're like, no, you know, if I need somebody. Look, if, if anybody out there cooks, an assessment is garlic. You know, or, or curian or, or pepper or salt. It's one thing in the recipe. Mm. So it kills me whenever somebody says, got the perfect garlic for this job, you know, for this recipe. That's all there is. It's just a garlic recipe. No, you, you, you would put it in with all of the other ingredients. And what's interesting is even the disc and values out of context of the rest of the soup. And again, that's who are your specific customers in your region? Okay. Guy might crush it in Boston and die in San Diego, you know, Portland to Miami to, you know, Arkansas, the culture of the city, where people are, the team that they're on. That's all the stuff that goes into the stew. And so, you know, I, when people do that, I think that's my best advice. Just think of the profile as one ingredient in a recipe. And that would, you would never say, hey, all I need to do is get the best garlic and then that's problem solved. No, you know, you got to look at all of the other variables that you're, you've been talking about. You know, what's the history, the structured process to get to those different variables? Do they have a proof of history or a history of uh, showing that they can sell or have grit? Do they address the values that you talk about? Which, by the way, um, and you, you said this very well, I thought, so I wanted to compliment that. I like asking questions that say what are the basic values that you really champion and listening to see how they relate to ours as opposed to telling somebody you know here's our five core values do you share these because of course everybody's going to go absolutely you know 
leave it a blank slate and ask them, do you have a list of values? In and of itself, that's a, a potential flag. They start running through their head going, I, I don't really know. Yeah, so so th that kind of makes me think your your job, and I, I don't think I've ever said it this way, but your job in this process is to figure out who they are, not mm -hmm. to not to sell them, you know, and and the leverage, and and we'll kind of close up with this. There's there is massive leverage in having wise hire do this front end for you, the the back end, the scoring, the all of it. It's going to take you. Here's where you know you're messing up if you're batting a hundred percent on, you know, this person wants to join my team and I hired them and it's, you know, you're going about this the wrong way. You need to be looking at probably a hundred to hire one or two, you know, 50 to hire two. If, if, you know, when it really, when you really call it down. Um, I think so. Yeah. Sub 10%. Yeah. So is what yeah, I would expect of, to say a hundred, there's probably, 10 worth talking to and out of the 10, probably one to two that you could, you would really yeah. come on and be a fit and fight with you and build something special. If you don't want to build something special to your earlier point, then 20 of the hundred would fit. 80 still wouldn't fit, but you, you're, you can, you can really loosen it up, you know, but yeah. I don't think that business is going to win in the future. That's the old broker model, you know, yep. and there's a lot, of, unfortunately, that's what's been happening. According to NAR, that's the reason we got into real estate in the beginning is because we wanted to prove the concept. 90% failure rate, 90% of all realtors fail to survive the first 24 months. You know? But that's due to the old broker model. Hey, you know, you want to pay your desk fees? Good luck. You know, unless you have a criminal record, something really, really off the charts, eight out of 10 people that walked in the door, if not more, yeah, sure, have at it. You know, they didn't care because it really didn't matter to them. If you're running a team, it's your money. Yeah. And I would be very careful as to who I trust, you know, with my money. Yeah. So take care. Last thoughts. Don't ever put yourself in the position because you're a salesperson and you go, I got to win this client. This is hiring. Make it the opposite. You know? Yeah. If be ready to walk away from somebody if it's just not right to, not the right match. Yeah, and we have a tendency don't get more invested as the process moves in. You should be ready ready to pull out of any potential hire for yeah. any reason at any point in the process. We have a tendency to get more vested the further. Well, I spent you know five hours with this person already. You know, I I went through their reference check and then you meet their spouse and it's like. The, the spouse, there's no way the spouse is going to support them working the amount of hours that they need to be successful in sales and real estate, you know, yeah. and, and if, if you don't have anyone to do a defense review with you, you need to get a couple people. Maybe it's your spouse that's helping you defend this person to come on your team. You need some objective person that you need to defend this hire to and someone yeah. that can poke holes in it. So if you need help in any of this stuff, the specific area of your business, you know, wisehire.com. W-I-Z-E-H-I-R-E.com. Uh, and the coaching uh, Jay was referring to, I think you guys, um, I mean, I know you guys have done a phenomenal job of, you know, for the investment level, which is not a big investment level, the amount of value and support and coaching, you know, and tools that you're rolling out to your clients is phenomenal. So you want to give like a, a 30 second um, sort of commercial on that? Because I, I love what you guys do. I don't bring anyone on here 
you know, to do that. And they just have a lot of respect for you. What's something you can, you can sort of share that you're working on that the value add that you're bringing your, your clients. Uh, it basically is doing the heavy lifting for you. So we're a SaaS business model. We don't do contracts. I mean, we can, if you really want, it's $199 a month, unlimited jobs, no contract, go month to month as you like. The intent is job templates, job descriptions written for you. The coaching I talked about is our hiring coaches. So it's a very advanced support coach that'll talk about why do you put this in the job description? We'll post to the top 60 job boards for you. We get the disc and the values completed. Coaches are involved in all of that. They're there to assist you. So it's the coaching is more on um, why would I not write this? <laughs> why would why should I include compensation? And they'll be coming back and telling you how it's going to make an impact on your findings on Indeed and stuff like that. So all the way through an applicant tracking system that allows you to track the people like a CRM until you get down to that person that you want, including job interview guides and interview scripts actually based on their personality assessment and the disc and values we pull out interview questions so you can just print them and sit right there and i don't know what to ask you i don't have a system well here you go ask these questions write down what they say and see what you think awesome well jay i appreciate your time i want to respect it uh yeah and if if you're at the point in your business journey where you're kind of stuck. You don't have a roadmap. Your time is in your own. You're scratching your head at the end of the year to figure out where all the money went and you're super freaking stressed all the time. Um, it's why real estate B-School exists. It's all that we do. Uh, we help you go from, you know, maybe making a half a million GCI to making a million or a million and a half GCI, but you know, getting, making, taking steps to get out of production. Uh, Jay commented before, you know, I, I think the last closing I did was January, 2012. Although I still go to the office once a week, I'm just not, I'm removed myself. I've removed myself from the grind of, of business. I've become a full-on business owner where most team leaders are just real estate agents that have surrounded themselves with a loose collection of people, no systems. And so if you're at that point in your journey, just reach out to realestatebschool.com. Uh, next steps are obvious on the site. And uh, if you need help hiring, you know, Wise Hire is an awesome resource and the ROI on a tool like uh, WiseHire is, I'd like to say it's infinite because on our team, uh, a good salesperson hire, once we get them onboarded, there's a minimum of 100,000 gross margin with every hire we bring on. Um, and we can get them to the point where it's, you know, three, four or 500,000 mm -hmm. gross margin with every good hire. So this okay. part of your business, you cannot not get great at it. You know, you've got to be a world-class seeker and hire of talent if you want to succeed in business what's your last thought jay uh i think i'll just expand on what you just said you know make that first shift do you want to be working in it the rest of your life or do you want to work on it and if you're going to work on it then your only tool are the people that you get to work in it so if you want to work in it great but if you decide you want to work on it like lars is talking about as his example you're not in it so you Make that shift first, and then it's going to seem so much more important who those individuals are that you choose to work in it. Then you'll go, holy cow, you know, now I know why it's so important I master this task of, of getting really great talent, because that's the capital I have, Yeah, and it better be the best, or the business isn't going to be. Yeah, it's, it's our only competitive advantage are the people we surround ourselves with.
yeah, everybody else has different pricing schema and, you know, exactly right. Yep. Everybody's got the same football and cleats and pads. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, I appreciate same. your time. Um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, realestatebschool.com or wisehire.com. And we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks again. Uh,